0: Hi guys, hey everybody. What's that? I'm not on, but you guys can hear me okay? Absolutely. So I'm being recorded, but I'm just going to project if that's okay. I don't like holding a microphone. Everybody hear me okay? If you need me to use a microphone, I can. Is this good? Okay. Okay. Is this better? I decided to use it. Is that good? That's great. Okay. No problem. Ah. Uh, well, let's pray together before we get going. Holy Spirit, um, give us the keys that you desire to give us. You're so great at equipping and helping us. And we're trusting that you're going to deliver your word and that we're going to be able to... Um, Receive an impartation from you, because beyond us, you live what it is that you preach and the truth that you give. So we receive that into our spirits tonight, in Jesus' name. What I want to uh, share with us tonight is just kind of a just kind of a one-off. It's been something that's been on my heart, and Randy Howard. Some of the things that he shared sparked. Uh, some of those aspects that have been uh, on my heart And just together with the elders We were talking here at our elders meeting this last week And we said, you know, I, I think we, we need to hit on something here I'm excited for next week Don Walker is going to be sharing and uh, About Jesus in the storm And so I'm, I'm very uh, grateful for that So a uh, little, little preview of things to come It's going to be wonderful Uh, I want to share tonight about, uh, I've entitled, kind of have two titles, but Gathered in Order to Go, or Church Essentials Kit. Okay, you ever heard of an Essentials Kit? Okay, just about anything that you could possibly think about doing has an Essentials Kit. Believe it or not, so does church. And uh, you might think, I don't need to prepare all that much in order to, you know, just show up for or attend uh, a weekend gathering. You'd probably be right about that in terms of what the contemporary church is all about these days. But that's not this church. That's not this church. One of the challenges that any church faces or, or any organization is to be both relational and missional. Apple's selling their products. They want to be able to connect on a relational peop- level with people. They want to be real. They want to be relevant. But they all has also have to be missional because they've got to reach people who are actually going to buy what they're selling. Yeah. Yeah. So these two things, relational and missional. A lot of times the church, you know, a church that you might visit or, or something like that, you'd see, and, and they're really good at usually one or the other. But it's not often that we're able to marry the two together. That's what God is after because He is both. So if He's after building His church, then His church should have those ingredients within it. Not the weekend service, but the people sitting right here. And the people outside these walls who represent the body of Christ. And so let's take relational first. Relational, just my definition of it is learning to grow in love with one another as we live life with one another. Because it doesn't come batteries included. Anybody realize that? Right? And it, being in any type of relationship, you realize, wow, that I don't have that that's built into me. So, learning to grow in love with one another as we live life with one another. I love what Jesus said in John 13. I think anything Jesus says we should love, but I really love this. Then he says, John 13, 34-35, it says, So now I'm giving you a new commandment, love each other. Love each other. See, before it was, don't do this, do this. Don't do this, follow this rule, this guideline. Now he says, I'm about to give you something that trumps all of those things. Love each other just as I have loved you, you should love each other. Let's read it together, the rest of it. Read that, just as I have loved you, you should love each other. Your love for one another will prove to the world that you are my disciples. The love that Rod has for Glenn, or the lack thereof, is going to be proof one way or the other whether or not Rod and Glenn are disciples and followers of Jesus. That's what he said. It's right there. It says, this is going to be the evidence. Missional. Missional. Let's look at this. Put that up there. Really basic. We're going back to the root structure, to the foundations of who we are as a church. And of course, I believe this is true for the body of Christ. But missional is to love God, and love people, and love God's world. It's to reach the unreached. Come on, say it with me. Touch the untouched, and love the unloved. This is what Father did with Jesus and the Holy Spirit. So God, three in one, the triune God... Is in heaven, completely satisfied, content, loving each other. They are the original community. They're the original community. But they wanted to share their love and relationship with one another. And because of who they are, they can't avoid being missional. They wanted to share that. They wanted to have a family. They're the most relational of all. They're the most greatest advocates and promoters of relationship building. They're also the original missionary. Seeing the plight of humanity, understanding that we needed a rescuer and a deliverer, Father God sends Jesus. He comes and makes the first landing on the planet. And then He is taken up after He's sacrificed and He's raised again. And then, right? Hands the baton off to Holy Spirit. Now Holy Spirit, Christ in His Spirit is now living and shaping us into a relational and missional community. Easier said than done. But exciting and... Check this out, Romans 10, 13. Everyone who puts their trust in the Lord, everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. Everyone. Everyone that you come across with the Spirit of Christ in you and they need to know Jesus. It says everyone, every single person. Does that mean every single person in this world is going to be saved? No. No. But everyone who does call on the name of the Lord will be saved. I'm out in the ocean with my brother-in-law. I call on the name of the Lord. Jesus, save me or I'm going to die. He did. He did. He followed through. I've never felt tangible salvation more than that point in my life. How did Jesus do this? Reaching, touching, loving. When Jesus came to earth, He brought with Him the family way. And we get to be a part of that. So this essentials kit thing. Well, sometimes you have it, sometimes you don't. And when we get in situations like this in church setting, or whenever the church gathers, or whenever the church is going, we realize what we have and what we don't have. Right? You get into, you know, you start, you build a friendship with somebody, you start building that friendship, and you realize, wow, I'm not very good at working stuff out. I need to practice this. Marriage, parenting, whatever it is, you realize how good or how bad you are at this and that. So, a couple examples here for you. I, I went bear hunting one time with a friend of mine, Nathan Wellham. Some of you know him. And uh, we got out into this really, really remote area. When you go hunting, you should have a hunting essentials kit with you. You should. So we got out there. Well, he, we got this great idea, and it was a great idea, but um, he got the keys from, like, to go behind some of those locked, get a, go through those locked gates. So this is great. We got access to a piece of land nobody else is hunting. This is super cool. So we get out there, and uh, we've got this truck that we borrowed from my cousin, Jared. Two-wheel drive, Ford F-150. End up in a ditch like this, completely sideways, totally stuck, and now it starts to absolutely pour down rain. We have to walk several miles out to this dam that we remembered seeing. And we get out there, and there's this huge, like eight, you know, nine foot barbed wire fence all the way around the thing. Nathan climbs over it. Let me tell you what, he was a little bit desperate. He didn't bring any rain gear. It's getting very cold. It's probably in the 40s. Hypothermia is starting to set in. He did not bring his essentials kit, he was not prepared. Didn't think ahead of what the needs might be. Mount Rainier. 1995, you guys have heard me talk about this somewhat. Six of us are tied together as we're going up. Now, we came loaded with a full climbing kit. Loaded, ready to go. We had Bruce. Bruce had tried this insane thing before, Dan. And uh, we're going up this mountain. Andrew was out training this morning. He's going to attempt to climb here later this summer with his brother. This is the stuff you don't like to hear, but I mean, we got up there and you know, they're car- they got a helicopter coming in and they're hauling some people off the mountain. But they weren't alive anymore. Two rescue climbers go up to help a guy who had broken his ankle. pulls the other guy off with him. Relationship-wise, we see that happening all the time. Here you got people who you think are really well equipped to be able to navigate the different areas of life but they end up yanking the other person off the mountain with him. The whole thing goes down in flames. The following week three other people fell, experienced climbers. Colossians 3:12 through 17. You don't have that one? That was my prime text. Are you sure? Okay. Since God chose you to be the holy people whom He loves, He chose you... This is to the church at Colossae. He chose you, and this translates to us, He chose you to be the holy people whom He loves. He's chosen you to be holy and He's chosen you to be loved by Him. You must, since that's true, you must clothe yourselves with tender-hearted mercy. Go ahead, put it on. Come on. Get a little piece of clothing put it on. Put on tender-hearted mercy. Then, next is kindness. Mm. My wife's amening. Humility. Gentleness. Patience. Saying more, Lord, more, more for Eric. You must make allowance for each other's faults and forgive the person who offends you. Maddie, when I offend you as your dad, you're supposed to forgive me. That's not always easy, is it? Dad can be tough sometimes. It's like, thanks, Dad. See, now you have something to work through. But I got this, I got you, because this next part, it says, Remember the Lord forgave you, Grace, so you must forgive your dad. So you must forgive others. And the most important piece of clothing you must wear is love. Say it with me love. Love is what binds us all together in perfect harmony. Do, re, mi, fa, sol, la, ti. Yes. Thank you. In perfect harmony. It's rough when you get up here, you know. Trin was killing it tonight. It was awesome. She sounded so good. But you know what? It's not really all that great when you get up here and somebody's like, um, they go over. Could you turn that person off, please? When there's no harmony, when there's contention, when there, we're not blending very well. Because we're on completely different pages from one another. And he said, hey, Love is what binds us together. And it's not going to be easy, but it's essential. And let the peace that comes from Christ rule in your hearts. That's the King. For as members of one body, you are called to live in peace and always be thankful. Let the words of Christ in all their richness live in your hearts and make you wise. Use His words... To teach and counsel each other. Ruth, use his words. To teach and counsel one another. Sing sing, sing sing, psalms and hymns and spiritual songs to God with thankful hearts. And whatever you do or say, this is as the church, this is part of our essentials kit as the church. Whatever you do or say, let it be as a representative of the Lord Jesus, all the while giving thanks through Him to God the Father. One of the most important keys, the most important set of clothing, he said, was love. One of the most important keys that we've got to remember in this essentials kit for the church is forgiveness. Assuming the best about one another. That's part of the glue that holds us together. It makes us sound really good to the world. Otherwise, what? We don't have a message worth giving anyone. Because yeah, right. we're saying Jesus is so awesome and they're going, yeah, but you guys can't get along with one another. Right. Matthew six fourteen through 15 There's a big, huge if on the beginning. I knew it. I gave it to you. You're awesome. So for those of you with 20, what did this be, like 25 vision? (laughs) Binoculars in the back, we'll be issuing those. Okay. Matthew 6. This is right after the Lord's Prayer. If you forgive those who sin. uh, We're going to do this together. Here we go. If you forgive those who sin against you, your heavenly Father will forgive you. But if you refuse to forgive others, your Father will not forgive your sins. That's heavy business. You ever come across the person who is so stuck in unforgiveness? You realize, oh my goodness, they're... They're not experiencing... they, They continually take up offenses against people all the time. They don't know how to let God take control and trust Him in those relationships. This isn't just letting you know, bygones be bygones and you know, water under the bridge and hoping time will help things pass. No, He's talking about forgiveness in the depths of our heart. Really, truly forgiving Him. Because what is the standard? Remember, Jesus forgave you. Did He just kind of like, well, we'll just you know, let time pass and maybe you know, I won't feel so bitter to, toward this person anymore. No. No. He commands us, you must forgive. You must get down and dirty and work it out. Work it out. And that's why forgiveness is such a huge deal to God. Because Jesus died to purchase forgiveness and freedom. Take the average citizen and the average veteran of war. Who do you think values freedom more? Yeah, the average citizen is, is, you know, typically takes their freedom for granted. The flag, all that stuff. But you got somebody who's hit the beaches before, who's you know put their their body, their life on the line. They're going to value something more. Well, that's what Jesus did for us. He went and he died, and he God invested everything. Everything. So I think this means a little bit. Forgiveness has a little bit of a price tag associated with it for him. And he says, I want you as my church, as my representative in all that you say and do, to value forgiveness and to walk it out with one another. Massively important. So important. Equipping and mobilizing. You know, things like this. You know, just sitting here and you're listening, you're absorbing, and you're taking things in right now. It may not be the most exciting thing to listen to someone but um, talk, but, you know, we typically, you know, we're like 30, 35 minutes, something like that. Book of Deuteronomy. You ever read through the book of Deuteronomy before? Over 30 chapters. You know what that is? Squeezed in between Numbers and Joshua, the longest preach in the history of the world. Before they go into the promised land, it was absolutely essential that they kit up. They get their load out. They get their stuff together and that He remind them of what it is that they're called to be and to do. So he goes through the whole thing. Man, they get the Ten Commandments all over again and all the different stuff. That is one long preach. Out in the middle of the desert, no shade, no AC. We could use a little AC in here, couldn't we? Kind of warm. Back there on the back wall if somebody wants... Lee? Where's Lee? Lee? Maybe you want to try, it looks like the same unit we use uh, or that you use there at work. Maybe we could kick that on for a temporary or something. Thank you. What is Moses doing? He's equipping them. He's immobilizing them prior to them being released into their promise. This wasn't the only time. It took continual training, reminding ongoing. Did the people view what He was saying as essential? Did the people receive and embrace what He was saying? Did they say, you know what? This is really essential for going in the promised land. Evidently, some of them did and some of them didn't. But overall, they didn't take it seriously. They didn't value it the way that they needed to. Because what does it say? They continually... Forgot They didn't remember. So that's part of the essentials kit of the church is coming together in order to go. To be reminded so that we can be sent. So is that an issue of have to? Or is it a situation of, oh my God, I need you. I need Rod. I need Lisa. I need Linda and Dawn and Bruce and Jeanette. I need you guys. You know what? You need me. You do. Yeah, that's true. Not just in this pulpit, but you need me in life because we're supposed to be walking together. Yeah. Mm. We do. We see this all the time in our jobs, don't we? On-the-job training, continually getting more training, practice, ongoing mentorship, continued education. I could go through and talk about, you know, when I was playing basketball at Hillsdale, the preparation that went into being able to just get in the game, two a day practices and and everything. I was asking, I was asking, um, I, I, um, was asking uh, former Navy SEAL. Some of you may know who I'm talking about, but um, you know, someone's always got a bigger story than you do. And I said, what, what was the what was the Training and preparation that went into you being able to become a Navy SEAL. He said, three and a half years of solid training. I was like, so is that like five days a week? He goes, yeah, I wish. Six, seven days a week sometimes. Three and a half years of training. Two years of deployment. More training intermittently all the time. 18 months of training, then come back, and then six months deployed. And I mean, it was just back and forth like this. Ephesians 6. Ephesians 6, what does it tell us? What's in Ephesians 6? Paul is telling them to get their load out, to get their kit, the armor of God. Put on the full armor of God so that you may be able to stand. You're going to be ready to go when it's time to go. Randy Howard, um, he made a statement uh, two weeks ago. He said, one of the great challenges that we face in the church today is individualitis. We view church as optional instead of essential. Now, I would say, based upon some of our history, that might have gone in sideways for some people. Like, say what? What? I wonder if Navy SEALs view their training, their equipping, their mobilizing, their team building and mission as optional or essential. How do, how do we view that? You're going to go into harm's way. You know you're going to be put in situations where uh, your, your life is on the line. You're going to be interacting. Other people are depending on you that you train. Uh, one thing I love about the Marines uh, that I love about Navy SEALs uh, is kind of an extension of that is that it's, it's not compulsory. It's completely voluntary. You volunteer. You don't get you know, signed up or anything for the Marines. You, you volunteer for it. And then once you're in there, you, you volunteer for um, the Navy SEALs. I I like that from the element... I I think it reflects the body of Christ the way it should be at least more than any other area of the military. Because who's in there really wants to be in there. They're there because they want to. There's no have to. They see essential as as a value statement of I can't even imagine not being a part of this. I've been dreaming about this my whole life. These guys are crazy, they're radical, they're the guys who won't send me anywhere. So they get equipped, they get mobilized for all these years. Kind of sounds like somebody we know. Jesus comes, He equips, He trains, He mobilizes guys. The Gospels are all about coming together and mobilizing, equipping, getting kitted up in order to be released. And then Acts happens. And it's called the Acts of the Apostles. I like calling it the Acts of the Holy Spirit though, because without the Holy Spirit, none of the Acts of the Apostles would have even taken place. The Gospels are all about gathering and training. And we in the church are constantly in this mode. The early church in Acts 2, it says... That those who believed were added to the church. About 3,000 in all. So this is right after the Holy Spirit just just drops on everybody. And what's known as Pentecost there. Where after 1,500 years, the Jews have been waiting for God to write the law on their hearts. And it finally happens. He comes to live inside of them. They joined with the other believers... And they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and fellowship and sharing in the Lord's Supper and prayer. You're going to notice a real theme here of a lot of food. Okay, These people love to eat together. And all the believers met together constantly and shared everything they had. They sold their possessions. They shared the proceeds with those in need. Now, I want you to notice something. I think people read this and they think, you know what, they sold everything so that people would be able to have... What is necessary, but that would mean all the people who gave didn't have anything anymore, so the people in need would have to give all the stuff that they just gave back. No, that didn't work that way. But they did sell their possessions, like, you know, had a garage sale or or whatever it is, Craig's listed it, and they helped those in need. They worshipped together at the temple each day. They met in homes for the Lord's Supper, and they shared their meals with great joy and generosity. All the while praising God and enjoying the goodwill of all the people. And each day, here's the result. Here's the result of all of this relational stuff going on. The teaching, the fellowship, the eating, the prayer. Is that the Lord added to their group those who were being saved. I think that's pretty stinking cool. Because I don't see in there some evangelistic program. I don't. I see people who, like the Marines and the Navy SEALs, want to be together. They're volunteering, they're saying, I'm, I'm in. But I think there's some things here that we can really glean from. Because us as a society, as a culture, we're very much prone to independence and isolation. That's one of the greatest things that's hurting us as families, uh, as the church today. It's really easy to, I guess maybe said, point it, put it the other way, it's not that hard to get people to go to church. What's difficult is envisioning people to live life with one another. That's what's tough. This is the easy part sitting here. Nobody has an opportunity to get upset unless I say something that makes you mad. Which wouldn't be a bad thing. I would hope that when we come to church and we gather together that some people are getting upset. Because maybe then we're saying some things that are worth being said. That kind of regularity that they're pointing to right there, that's pretty serious stuff. That's a closeness that is required in order for that last sentence to be realized. So we take those ingredients, that's part of that church essentials kit right here, And we begin to live some of this stuff out. And it says the Lord was adding to their group. How is that possible? This is my personal opinion. But I think that if you could look at it from a bucket standpoint, God had a bucket that didn't have a bunch of holes in it that He could start placing people into. You see, the Greco-Roman culture at that time was very isolated as well. I mean, you did have levels of community and and whatnot in in different pockets, but nobody had ever seen community like this. No one had ever seen this before. The way that Holy Spirit was able to mobilize people and equip them, and they, they were together because of this glue called love. That's what the glue was that held them together, was Love. And it was out of this world. It had come from another planet, if you will. It was not something earthly. It was this thing called agape. But what we're seeing up here, this essentials kit, is this happening? living life with one another, because it's a lot more than just this gathering. This gathering is not necessarily that, because they were meeting in the temple every single day. Oh, we don't have time for that. I don't necessarily... That's not necessarily what I'm saying. It's not about the frequency of gathering necessarily, but what is taking place in us? Are we we taking note of this? how can my life begin to reflect the original community of Father, Son, and Holy Spirit and their tightness and their relationship together so that this type of mission can happen? right, Titus chapter 2. Getting ready to Turn the corner here to wrap up. It's not even 7.20 yet. We're screaming. It is stinking hot in here, though. Is it hot in here to you? Okay. Just making sure I wasn't the only one. Sorry to keep bringing that up, but I'm actually going to turn this on. <laughs> Make all kinds of noise. Titus chapter two. As for you, he's talking to Titus, who is the leader of this church, and he says, As for you, I want you to promote the kind of living that reflects wholesome teaching. Amen. Okay? Walk the talk. Now, teach the older men to exercise self control. Okay? Train, practice. To be worthy of respect, and to live wisely, they must have a sound faith and be filled with with love and patience. Similarly, teach the older women to live in a way that honors God. I love this part. It's one of my favorite parts of the Bible. They must not slander others or be heavy drinkers. Okay, so older women, stand up. No, I'm just kidding. Okay? Do not slander or be a heavy drinker. A light drinker maybe, but not a heavy drinker. <laughs> that just cracks me up. I thought Paul knew what he was talking about, didn't he? These, these gals get a little bit older and they start hitting the sauce. Instead, instead of being a heavy drinker or a slanderer, they should teach others what is good. These older women must train the younger women. Come on, check it out. Here's part of the essentials kit of the church. Here's what we should be about. Again, Titus is a, like Timothy, is a pastor of a church. And, and he's giving them the directions. Here's what you need to be doing. The older women, older men need to be involved. Okay, so what does that say about the younger ones? We're getting to you guys in just a second. But you younger ones. You should be wondering, okay, so I'm not getting input from some older men and women in in the church, and so I need to get connected, not only maybe with my parents, but with some other people and get mentored, get discipled. Okay, so what part of your kit is missing? These older women must train the younger women to love their husbands and their children, to live wisely and be pure, to work in their homes to do good and be submissive to their Courtney help me you got the rest of it? And be submissive. Be submissive, Courtney. Courtney. Be submissive and give us the rest of the text, please. Courtney? Damien, help me, please. Oh there we go. there we go. Okay. Uh, submissive to their husbands. Okay, so if you have some older woman you know, tap you on the shoulder and say, honey, we should get together. Maybe they need to talk to you about a few things that they're seeing. And you need to say, hey, I'd love to do that. Would you help me see what I can't see? In the same way, I like how he says teach and train and, you know, gives real directives to the older ones. But he says in the same way, encourage the young men because he's saying they're going to do their own thing. Anyway, so just encourage them. Try and lead them along a little bit here. The young men to live wisely. We pray that our young men would, would make it to older times in life because they want to live on the edge. There's so much zeal, you know, in them. So they've got to learn to live wisely. And you yourself must be an example to them by doing good works of every kind. Let everything you do reflect the integrity and seriousness of your teaching. Teach the truth so that your teaching can't be criticized. That's true for all of us. Then those who oppose us will be ashamed and have nothing bad to say about us. That's wise stuff right there. Relationships, marriage, parenting. i got to say this. Think about the countless hours and the thousands and thousands of dollars that we put into and sacrifice and invest in training of some kind, whether that be a four-year degree, two-year degree, any type of training, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. Think about whatever you're doing and the amount of time, hours, and all that that went into it. Think about how many hours of training and instruction you received prior to getting married. In comparison, how much money did you spend to be trained to be married, something you're going to do for the rest of your life where you might have a career or a job that lasts however long. Isn't there something wrong with that? It, shares, it shows what our culture values most. That's why I would say maybe that's the reason why a lot of careers are outlasting marriages. You're going, man, I invested so much money, time, and all this training for this job I had a couple sessions maybe with a pastor prior to getting married. There's really no investment here. We get out of something what we put into it. I think that should change. How about those those, you know, 5000 mile tune-ups? Every once in a while going through and just, you know, we 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 talked about uh, doing some things like this rather than just marrying people and then, you know, Okay, you guys are on your own. But having those tune-ups every once in a while, hey, how you doing? Okay, all the things that you didn't listen to me about because you were so blissfully in love with one another, staring starry-eyed at one another while we are there, and we've all been there, right? So, okay, if you've been in that position before, it's like, oh, yeah, 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 totally, I got this. I don't got this. We need more of that in our essentials kit. When we hear Randy Howard say that church is viewed as optional rather than essential, what he's saying is that in the way that we view church in terms of being the church, we see it as optional rather than valuable. It's a value statement. It really is. Now, I want to make a value statement to you. As elders, we've been talking... For a little while now, and we've been looking ahead in the calendar uh, to what, um, you know, how we're going to navigate certain things schedule-wise, and uh, coming up, July 4th happens to be on a Saturday, and so what, um, we want to make a value statement, and that is we're not going to have anything on that weekend. We're not going to have, we talked about maybe having a midweek service on Wednesday night, you know, to kind of... You know, make up for not being here on Saturday, but we just decided, you know what? We want to make a value statement about who we are, and we just want to set that time aside and uh, be together as families, get together, everybody go out to Rod Bannock's house and blow up his property, and, you know, whatever you want go to Bruce Hart's invitation, okay, invitation, because Bruce wasn't going to be here at church anyway, so (laughs) I couldn't resist Bruce. Uh, no, he was going to go after church and show up and i 've actually been to his party. You should go it 's really, really fun, but um, anyway, so want to let you know that ahead of time so that uh, that you can plan and um, But I think in hearing that and uh, that some of us i think heard that attending church is attending church is not optional and The reality is, is how can we separate who we are from what we do and what we do from who we are? If we are the church, how can we help but gather as the church? Now, are we saying that gathering as the church is mandatory? Absolutely not. Similar to our name, there's an open door. People are going to transition even, not just attending, but transition in and out of this church just like they do with other churches. Bless them and bless God. We, we absolutely refuse to shun people who decide that, you know what, God's leading them in a different direction. They might be wrong. They might be right. That's not the issue. That's for God to decide and to help them see those things one way or the other. But the key for us is to continue to maintain that relationship. So, is valuing what God values essential? Absolutely. How does He view things? I I want to leave you with this. Without wavering, this is Hebrews chapter 10. Without wavering, let us hold tightly to the hope we say we have. For God can be trusted to keep His promise, can He? Think of ways to encourage one another to outbursts of love and good deeds and let us not neglect our meeting together as some people do. Did that say mandatory? Absolutely not. Just say, hey, don't neglect it because we need one another, both in this gathering and in other configurations. But encourage and warn each other, especially now that the day of Christ's coming back is again drawing near. Don't ever forget those early days when you first learned about Christ. Remember how you remained faithful even though it meant terrible suffering. You suffered along with those who suffered the same things. When all you owned was taken from you, you accepted it with joy. You knew you had better things waiting for you in eternity. Would you stand together? Jesus called certain people to help in taking care of his sheep. He said, Hey, Peter, different ones. He said, Take care of my sheep. Not just to me, but to this eldership team, and of course to everybody else here. You are so valuable. One of the things that can happen as a result of isolation and being alone is that we get weird. We do. When we when we are not getting close enough to one another to be loved and loved, know and be known, offend and learn how to forgive and work stuff through and all that kind of stuff, we get weird. It kills us. We're a part of the body. How can the hand say to the foot or any other part, the spleen or whatever, I don't need you? It's impossible. So anything cut off from the body, not just here but everywhere, is dead or dying. And we're just saying, Lord, we want You to have full freedom to kit us up. To give us the equipment, love, forgiveness, tenderhearted mercy, kindness, and give us opportunities to get good at those things. Because it's about You. You forgave us, and so we choose to forgive and love. Jesus, we want to reflect your heart, represent you in every way, to be relational and missional. Holy Spirit, come and do whatever you love to do with us. Open Door Church, we're yours. In Jesus' name, amen. 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 I'm sorry we're not able to do that to me. Yes. Hang out. There's some great... Oh, man, that looks good back there. Evan, yeah. save some for me, will you? On? <laughs> yeah, enjoy. Good night. in state night.